Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where I get to talk to our editors and reporters about the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is Tracy Belt, the Editorial Director at Real Trends. Can't wait to jump into some of those topics that we want to cover, but first, here's a word from our sponsor. Now more than ever, it's important you partner with a subservicer who is compliant. At TMS, they operate under a culture of compliance one that follows all investor and regulatory guidelines 24-7-365. They not only put the customer first, they do what is right. It's a way of doing business that has earned special praise from Fannie Mae, Jenny Mae, and many state regulators. Partner with a subservicer who makes compliance a priority. Go to subservicing.themoneysource.com. Tracy, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. You have your own podcast. You have a weekly podcast called Real Trending, um, which our audience should definitely check out. Very interesting. And, and you really go for uh, executives and um, in, in both, you know, agents on the agent side and the brokerage side. So people should definitely do that. But it's a, it's a treat to have you on our podcast as well. Thanks. Yes. And uh, we have a podcast launching this week, um, all about NFTs, crypto and blockchain, explaining it, um, how it how it impacts the real estate brokers and agents, breaking down exactly what it is in layman's terms, and talking a little bit about a recent property that sold as a NFT in Tampa, Florida. So That'll be interesting because I think it's a very confusing subject that um, this will this will really clear up a lot of those questions. Um, it's a C-level executive from Proppy, a, a transaction management company that deals with a lot of these the latest issues, and they're the ones who handled that sale of the Tampa property. So, so that'll be launching this week on Real Trending. Oh, I cannot wait. I, I need to listen to that because even though I've read a lot about it, I'm like, I'm still a little bit confused on some of those things. So I, I will definitely catch up there. I appreciate you you having that on. And people can find that at um, uh, realtrends.com and it's the Real Trending Podcast. Yes. Well, for our podcast, love to talk about um, one of the things that we, some of the late breaking news we got last week on Thursday, um, you know, we got a, a judge saying that the, a new law that banned the love letters or what we say cover letters violated the free speech rights of real estate agents. So he, uh, he said no, that he, you know, he struck down the Oregon love letter ban, which I thought was very interesting. Yes. And, and a lot of um, people are a little confused on what love letters are. They've really been something that real estate agents and buyers, real estate you know, buyers have used for years. And they're basically a plea to the seller of a property to talk about why they should accept their offer over someone else's offer. And in this low inventory market, they've become very popular to get the attention of the seller and possibly accept their, um, you know, their offer. And 
the problem that um, was originally said is that they were worried that these are, uh, you know, minefield for Fair Housing Act violations. You can't say that you, you know, are a family or that you're a minority. You know, there are a lot of different things that you cannot say in these um, in these letters. But what's interesting is that the judge ruled that the law violated the free speech rights of real estate agents, which is it's interesting because most of the letters are written by the buyers interested in purchasing the property. So I, I thought that was very interesting. And I need to do a little more research on it to to figure out why that was the the case rather than the free speech of the buyers. It, it is interesting. I think because, you know, one of the things that the, um, the story uh, that we wrote, talked about, Matt Blake wrote it, that the judges found that the or- Oregon's ban of all non-customary documents was just too broad. So, uh, but I, I agree with you. It is interesting that it's, I, I guess they're looking at that and saying that could include things from the real estate agent too, because obviously, like you said, the real estate agent isn't the one <laughs> um, writing these, presumably, uh, you know, unless they just are great writers or something. This is, you know, a heartfelt plea from the from the would-be buyers to try to to try to you know strike something that it might you know in the sellers that they might choose them instead when you have just multiple multiple offers and we're not talking you know one or two we're talking dozens in some cases so how do you stand out um, so that's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on um, this has been a, a saga saga for us I think the first time that housing wire wrote about cover letters. Um, we have a, an article from 2013 that Brenna Nath wrote about here's how to win a bidding war with a cover letter. And that article still gets so much traffic. And especially over the last two two years when it's been so competitive. And then we've had to update the article, be like, hey, you know, this isn't this isn't legal everywhere. So, you know, take this, you know, make sure it's it's okay in your state. And then now we have to go back and be like, okay, well now that ban has been overturned. <laughs> so um, I'm sure yeah. real estate agents is like, okay, well, well what is what is okay here? But also you'd have to have someone who is going to, you know, follow up and, and prosecute on this, which is it's hard to even understand how that's how that would work. Like, you know, who is is the seller going to be like, hey, I you know, how do you re- even report that this was something that happened? So it, it's gonna be really difficult to see how that would have been enforced in, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, I mean, agents do have a hand in these in these love letters or cover letters. They're generally suggesting it to the buyer or editing it to make sure there are no fair housing act violations. So that's, you know, part of the the reason I think that they talked about the free speech rights of real estate agents is they're usually playing a hand in in getting these letters to the sellers and encouraging the buyers to write them. It's it's a great point, and really, a lot of the judges, um, you know, what he handed down, it did still talk about, you know, the fact that the, the reason that this, you know, is an important issue is that it, there is all that, you know, fair housing potential for for violation there, you know, based on, I, I think, you know, it's he found that ninety three percent of or or uh, the state found that ninety three percent of all letters disclose the potential buyer's race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation national origin, marital status, familial status, or disability. So all of those are just completely, you know, the 93% of these letters are, are, you know, disclosing something that then, you know, could, could be a Fair Housing Act violation. If someone is looking at that and saying, oh, I don't want this whatever buyer, but I do want this kind of buyer, um, 
So it's it's fraught with peril. But right now we can say that um, once again, those love letters in Oregon are, um, you know, they're legal. So that's the latest there. Um, we will continue to check back. Um, I would love to talk to you about some things going on with Real Trends, which is one of the things our audience absolutely loves and and looks to Real Trends for, and that is the rankings. So tell us a little bit about um, the rankings that you guys do and where we are in that. Yeah, so we have the Real Trends 500, which is the top 500 real estate brokerages in the country and the nation's best, which is the next level of um, brokerage brokerages based on transaction sides and sales volume that will be live on March 25th. And the interesting thing, there's a lot of surprises coming up. We have a shakeup in the top five on both transaction sides and sales volume. But more than that, um, what I found interesting is despite the low inventory, we have a record number of transaction sides in a, and sales volume, which the sales volume you can understand because prices have been going up and um, obviously that contributes to it. But then more interesting is that the transaction sides, which I, I actually thought there would be some brokers who would not qualify for the rankings based on the number of transaction sides. But in fact, we've had a record number of that this year. So um there's a lot of really interesting data. We're going to have a series of about 20 different articles breaking that down, um, launching throughout the next couple of months, uh, you know, detailing all of the interesting things going on in the rankings this year. Yeah, Tracy, that's going to be fascinating to see, especially, uh, as you said, this has been such an interesting couple of years. So to look at the data that you get for this year, which I guess is 2021 versus 2020, and see how that is changing is going to be um, something that we're really looking at, especially if, if, as you say, you know, that the top five have switched or have changed. Yeah. And more interesting than that even is market share um, of the, of the top 500 brokers for 2020 data for the 2021 rankings they had 38% of the market share in the entire country. It's looking like the top four brokerage firms in this year's rankings, which is based on 2021 data, will have 20% market share, which means that the top 500 will likely have more than the 38%. They've likely gained market share, um, which is, is really interesting. And I don't have those exact numbers yet, but I also know that we have the Billionaires Club is one of um, the sections of the rankings, and they have to close at least $1 billion worth of real estate in 2021. And we have quite a few new firms on that list. So we're definitely um, breaking records all around. Wow, that's that's amazing. You know, we uh, on the mortgage side over the last couple of years have had those uh, originators themselves who they are there, you know, they have teams who have um, gone over a billion dollars and, and we saw an uptick last year as well. So, you know, this, this sector um, has been in record territory and it'll be interesting really to see how some of this shakes out because to your point, there's, you know, we know that there's a lack of inventory going forward and we know that as, you know, mortgage rates rise um, at some point this year, you know, to a significant level, they've, they rose a little bit. They came down uh, with the war in Ukraine, uh, definitely affecting 
bond yields and mortgage rates there. So it it'll it might be a while before we see that, but we know that this is coming. And then you go, okay, well, what does that do to people who, you know, their ability to get a mortgage? And then what does that do for the real estate agents? But, you know, if you're still having um, in many places, dozens of bids, it feels like there still be the demand there. Yeah, definitely. And, and really, you know, what is what's interesting it's really the inventory which is the the amount of listings in the MLS i think it's for more than uh you know a month there are houses to sell and obviously if we've raised our transaction side numbers in the real trends 500 um the houses are there to sell you have to have houses in order to have a transaction side so you know while while inventory is is low it doesn't mean there aren't houses to sell. It just means that they're selling so quickly that they're not even registering um, in the MLS for, for a month. So uh, I think that's something that a lot of people don't really understand when they see inventory, they immediately think of, Oh, those are the only houses available. And that's not necessarily true. Some of these houses are sold so quickly that they don't even have time to register in the MLS. Well, and I know too in this competitive market. So I, I am in a neighborhood that just sort of closed down. Like uh, it's a new neighborhood, and they just sold all the the last lot, and everything's been built out. And and they have a new elementary school. All this is to say, it's become like a, a neighborhood that people want to be in. And so we get calls all the time, like all the time. So I, I don't even know that it would be listed, right? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. You know, we know that 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 is something that happens on a regular basis and has for years, but. Uh, it, it is hard to capture that in the larger data. Yeah. And you had mentioned the, um, you know, Russia, Ukraine uh, conflict right now. And what I am seeing, and, and we're doing a little more, uh, in, you know, research into is how that's impacting the New York and Miami real estate markets um, with the the freezing of assets of Russian elites who who have a lot of properties you know, investment properties in both New York and Miami. So we're going to be doing a little bit of research on that to find out what's going on in those markets um, and to see how this is impacting them. Wow, that'll be fascinating. And also, you know, there, I'm sure that there are brokerages who specialize um, with, you know, people from, from different com- countries, you know, like specialize in those markets and, and with those people. So it'd be interesting to see what if there's any, you know, long term effect on that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so so we'll 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 be monitoring that to find out. So Tracy, the other thing that I think will be really fascinating to see as we see the rankings this year is we've we've done a lot of stories over the last year on the different kinds of models and the way that brokerages are approaching their business and approaching, you know, if they have uh if their uh real estate agents are you know, employees, if, you know, their model for growth, um, what they're doing with iBuying, like there's so many things there to look at. And so to see what, who comes out on top in this market um, and what model comes on top is one of the main things I'm really interested in. Yeah. And, and one of the big things that happened um, years ago is the, the private money and venture capital moving into real estate that allowed some of these companies to grow very quickly um, like EXP, who had an early SPAC, and um, Compass, who had quite a bit of venture capital invested in them that allowed them to really grow quickly. So much, I mean, if you compare them to the growth of 
Berkshire Hathaway and to Realogy, you know, they've done in 10 years what it took 20 years for the other companies to do. And a lot of that has to do with the the private money coming in. Um, and then, of course, them eventually going public um, with Compass. So we'll, you know, I think that you're going to see we do have two, I know, um, different business models who have exploded onto the rankings that I think will surprise quite a few people. Um, in fact, it, it shocked us. We did not really expect them to move up to where they were. And they they have a different business model that we'll be reporting on um, to talk about it. So there's there's a lot of competition out there. There's still a lot of room for all different competition. It's good news for agents who have their choice of business model when looking for a brokerage firm. And it doesn't, you know, no matter who's on top, there's always room for another company to move up or really just maintain profitability. So, yeah. Wow. You have really uh, teased us with that. It's like, you know, cliffhanger. It's like, okay, who's on top that even shocked you guys who've been doing this for a couple of decades. Um, be really interesting. We'll definitely hop back on after those rankings come out to discuss what you found. Um, very exciting. And, and to your point, it's great for, it could be great for agents. And we saw so many people make that transition during the pandemic into real estate, which, you know, real estate is a, is a perennial, perennially, you know, um, attractive option for many people. But especially during the pandemic, we saw people jump in at record numbers. Yeah, there are, I think, 1.52 million members of the National Association of Realtors right now, which is just incredible. It is, especially if you compare that to the inventory we currently have. <laughs> exactly. Um, it'll be so interesting to see how that competition is going. Um, thank you so much for jumping on, Tracy. We will look forward to looking uh, at those rankings on March 25th and having you back on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.